On this episode of the podcast, I have with me Jeremy Eastwood. He is the head of engineering at Drone Deploy. We're going to be talking about two concepts in one. We're going to be talking about team velocity and um, adding processes as your team grows. Uh, going to be touching on some of the you know, nature of being proactive, uh, reactive. Um, Jeremy has some uh, insights in terms of uh, you know what's worked, what's not worked, um, how uh, his team interacts. Uh, we're going to be talking about how um, potentially production might be slow if you do a little bit more due diligence up front, but pays off down the road. Uh, Jeremy, thanks for uh, being on and sharing. Thanks, Mia. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me along. Absolutely. So let's start off at the top with, uh, you know, who Drone Deploy is and then and then as the head of engineering, what your responsibilities are. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So at Drone Deploy, we are, we originally started out um, as uh, the kind of mission of the company is to make, turn drones into this, from this kind of hobbyist to, um, toy uh, into something which can actually be this a ubiquitous tool across every job site. So view drones as being this really critical, providing this really critical piece in the future of so many different industries and making people's lives better, more uh, efficient, um, safer on job sites, um, making people more effective, making businesses run, run smoother. And so Drone Deploy is um, set out as a, as a way to make that happen with drones. So enabling all different parts of the workflow, um, letting drones, you know, how do we go and use and make it very easy to capture data with drones. So taking pictures of job sites, getting something useful from that data, turn them into essentially a digital twin of reality. Um, and then doing analysis, allowing people to do analysis on that data. So measuring, comparing change over time, that kind of stuff. So you can figure out what is, um, what's going on in the job site, where can things be improved? Um, and as, as things have progressed, we, we look at kind of the general digital transformation. So we've kind of moved from just drones to now looking at people walking around and having fully autonomous walking robots as well. So um, get to play with a lot of cool, fun toys at Drone Deploy. Um, but yeah. I'd imagine. And, um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and as head of engineering, I oversee the whole engineering department uh, and specifically um, making sure looking at kind of where are we placing our bets what are we um, what are we investing in where are we putting our energy how can we uh, what are the products we're building so work very closely with the product counterpart on what is the high level kind of strategic roadmap um, for where we want to invest in this industry versus this industry this core part of our product versus something else and also making sure that the engineering teams the people actually building that, uh, operating as effectively and efficiently as they can. So do we have all the right communication in place so that they can run smoothly? Yeah, and do we have the team structure in place so that they are able to go and build things autonomously without having too much kind of cross-team communication, that kind of stuff? And also things like headcount and what are the growth plans to the organization? So um, all sorts of things, really. There you go. Keep, keeps you busy, and uh, you get to. I mean, you're aerospace engineer uh, by by education, and you get to deal with flying drones. It's got to be a good uh, <laughs> a good outcome for all. Um, Absolutely. So let's let's start at the top. Let's understand uh, before we dive into the topic. Just a little context around just how your team is structured. I'm, I'm sure it's some form of agile scrum or you know, some agile methodology, but just the high level to understand uh, how, how your team operates. Yeah, absolutely. So we've broken up into about six different engineering teams. 
which operate across uh, all the kind of core functions you'd expect. We have a, a DevOps team that builds a lot of the kind of core platform and infrastructure, orchestration, that kind of stuff. Um, and we have then five different um, kind of scrum teams focused on essentially different areas of the product. Um, and we actually have, you know, one team's focused on the mobile product um, and one team focused on the core um some of the core um, computer vision, which is some of our core like mapping engine inside the inside the um, inside the core part of our, our platform, and then we have three um, teams which are industry aligned teams. So they're kind of full stack teams capable of um, building products kind of end to end uh, and focused on different core industry verticals that we we work with. So one's focused on the construction. Um, Vertical ones focused on um, the energy and emerging um, industries, so things like roofing and solar panels and and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, and uh, the last is actually focused on general growth. Um, so how do we kind of improve growth of our, our user base? So it's kind of um, full stack Scrum teams, um, and within each team, we all follow the same overall kind of cadence we do a two-week sprint um and everyone does the same um you know start and end dates we we start that kind of two-week sprint cycle with a general a kickoff with the whole of the r&d group where we kind of just do a high level what are we going to be what's each team going to be working on just set context across the organization close out the two weeks with a demo session We'll encourage all the teams to show off what they've built and encourage engineers to kind of this sort of build and this is what you know impact it's had. Um, and then each of the individual teams will also do the standard things you'd expect. So they'd do like a sprint kickoff and then finish up with a retro backlog grooming, all that kind of stuff. All right. I like it. That seems like a pretty uh, well-defined uh, methodology for you guys. What what are you capturing? Yeah, I guess part of the topic is talking about velocity. Um, maybe if you could touch on the metrics that you are using uh, to, to kind of understand velocity. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, when I look at this, I kind of always start from the highest level first. So ultimately, what we want to do at our stage company is be delivering the committed roadmap reliably and on time. So we kind of go through this planning cycle, figure out what are we going to commit, what are we going to be delivering, what's each team going to be delivering in a quarterly basis. And high level, at the end of the quarter, how much of that have they shipped? And that's that can be, that's kind of the most important thing from the from the business perspective. And that's kind of the critical part there. And obviously then it gets a lot more granular inside, but that's kind of where, where we started. And if things and then when I'd start kind of peaking down at further and further levels is when some of that stuff's not, not necessarily happening. Um, other things we do in terms of kind of keeping on track and and maintaining that overall velocity is we kind of check have a uh, check in once a sprint with all of the different kind of leaders with the teams to see um, are we kind of on track for these main projects? So where, what is the progress here? If we hit the milestones we expected to, do we need to have any kind of my, you know um, course corrections? You know this is take this has taken twenty percent longer than we thought it was going to. Okay, well let's cut this other project now and and double down on this. We we kind of get there. So that's kind of some of the 
more qualitative trackings that we do along the way. It's kind of checking in there. Um, outside of that, obviously, each of the individual engineering managers on the teams is tracking some of the kind of standard Scrum metrics around things like, you know, velocity, story point commitment versus overall. And that's, that's again, something that I look at sometimes, but I'm not as in the weeds with, with a lot of that. And again, a lot of that is because the engineering managers will have different, everyone has a slightly different way of running each team. We're not as prescriptive about saying each team has to be running exactly this methodology. Um, as long as overall we're hitting the commitments we need to. Um, and so there's a fair bit of freedom within the kind of, as I described, that kind of overall two-week cadence of where we start, where we finish, and we're committing to. Um, within that, with each team, it's really kind of the engineering managers will be kind of driving a lot of that. And those are some of the metrics they'd be looking at. Again, kind of standard things you look at inside Jira. Gotcha. Interesting. I guess just, uh, I was just thinking about like, you know, obviously you mentioned full stack teams, each manager mm. has some control over, you know, their team, what metrics they're judging their team. Obviously that's, you know, customized, uh, uh, for, for their purposes when you're sitting down with your managers. And, and I know you mentioned quarterly keeping that, you know, that metric of what's shipped to the customer on a quarterly basis and rolling back. So when you sit down with your managers, obviously they all have their own potential small wrinkles. How do you level that when it all rolls into you, you know, during your, you know, your, your updates with your managers? Yeah. You mean as in, um, how do we kind of reconcile? Yeah. The, uh, whether it's a metrics that, yeah, some, some common metric that that's going to tie them, they're all judged or how, how do you reconcile if they're, they're operating with slightly different, uh, drivers, obviously, you know, you know shipped and delivered functionality is one thing, but it yeah. sounds like there's different scales potentially that you're dealing with. Yeah. I mean, I think the, ultimately that's, not as much in terms of me reporting to when I'm talking with the kind of um, the wider kind of rest of the company and the, the wider kind of product team or the rest of the executive team. Um, it's again less about some of those individual team metrics, like okay, what was the sprint velocity here? Is this team hitting their commitments? And again, it's really are we on track with? We said we're going to we, we're going to ship these things. Did we, did we actually? Could we actually do some of that? So really, in terms of the external communications outside the engineering org, the things people care about is: Did you do what you said you're going to do? Are we are we shipping new stuff? Are we are we you know pushing the product forwards? And are we on top of kind of quality and reliability? And so we probably put a lot more focus in terms of external measurement and um and um, kind of tracking at the high level on more of the reliability side, actually. Um, and so some of the things we've done there around, you know, we have internal SLOs across the core sections, the core parts of our product, um, and things like uh, how the timeframe which we um, get bugs um, squashed or completed and um, handling security tickets and things like that. And so there's we have a, uh, a kind of dashboard there that I look at each week with the engineering leadership group. And we say, okay, are we, are we still within SLO on all of our um, key areas of reliability and things that we, and that's kind of our you know, point of SLOs. It's your contract with 
your customer, right? Like this is the quality bar we've set and uh, has a good experience for customers. And if those dip, then the expectation is the engineering team shifts and puts focus back into that and to get that back on track. And that becomes the, the kind of agreement and understanding between us and the rest of the company is we are on top of these core areas of quality and reliability. If, you, if we find a bug or you um, record a bug for us, we will get it done within this time frame, And we know that within you know, 90% confidence. And we were going to ship what we say we're going to ship each reliable each quarter. So they kind of become the more the more important um, metrics externally that we share. Interesting. I guess um, part of the topic is also talking about, you know, obviously as an organization grows, teams are growing, you know, you, you formalize different processes, get added in, you know, man, different managers from different companies come in. And, and in your case, you have different managers who run their teams slightly, you know, with a slight wrinkle. Um, how do you handle, you know, obviously when you hire a manager, there's a new manager or whatever, being careful of not adding too much process, right? I'm sure you need enough process, but then also there's a, Hey, I've got my own sprinkle, but it's like, well, you know, that's a potential concern just because, um, I mean, it, it might slow things down, but but how do you typically look at process when the team's growing, especially from, I'd say, an external hire that comes in and has ideas? Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, you know, from a kind of management or leadership philosophy angle, you know, that's when we hire uh, managers in externally, we're looking for great people who have really good ideas and, and so that's something I encourage, like what, what, you know, looking to them to how to improve the efficiency of their team. How can they operate more smoothly? How can they, um, you know, be more efficient or effective as an engineering team? And so if they've got a good idea they want to try, absolutely, um, I'll try and support that. Um, obviously, there are some caveats there. So things like, you know, we have some things we want to keep organized at a you know, at a higher level, like we want to have the same sprint cadence. If one team says, I'm now going to do a three-week sprint, I'd probably question what's the value of that versus the confusion it's going to cause and the fact that we now have, you know, lots of different systems going on, you know, maybe that's that's not the right value. So obviously it's a conversation. Um, that's definitely something that I'm looking to engineering managers to um, come up with ideas and, and things they could try. And so we actually had a few different um, ex people have tried different kind of experiments within their teams. Um, and all teams have something different. And that's actually one of the things that we do um, as a leadership group. We meet once a week, the engineering leadership group, and um, we basically all take in turns uh, each week to kind of share what are the things we're trying differently on our team, how we improved um, the team efficiency or developer productivity, developer happiness, um, this week, what have we tried out? And so sharing those learnings between the teams is meant we kind of start, people try something, maybe it doesn't work and we stop doing it. People, And then maybe if something does work, we start adopting it in other teams as well. Um, so that's definitely one of the ways we kind of grow. It's um, kind of somewhat organic, but also being driven by the people who are the experts there on those teams, the people who are working with their team each day, who kind of understand the unique challenges that their team faces with the pressures of reliability work versus feature work and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I'd say 
freedom to experiment with guardrails, I suppose, is your is the is the high level summary for that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I like it. Um, and I guess if you were to go a little deeper with that, because um, obviously, uh, yeah, I do like the idea of you know freedom to experiment with with guardrails. Uh, <laughs> with, with with that freedom, uh, depending on you know what those guardrails are, things can go different ways. But when when like walk us through somebody has an idea um and and how the team goes hey that's a great idea go run with it does it get documented is there expected results or is it genuinely this seems like a good idea let's just not waste time and too much due diligence <laughs> jump and try it what's the team's kind of uh, uh, process when it comes to those experiments with i mean within a team um i don't have as much insight for the you know how these ideas kind of I guess nuclear. Um, you know, each team runs um, retros and have a lot of one-on-one discuss discussions and all that kind of stuff. In terms of when a team wants to roll something out, I think if the manager so um, let me think of any an example, one of the managers wanted to change things up a little bit, so they had um, a one engineer every sprint who's just focused on reliability. So previously you'd have people who kind of take some of the um, escalations which come through from support, you know, like this is a, an issue we can't handle, this this needs to become a bug or something, um, or, you know, page of duty if alerts happen, but then everyone would be focused on kind of feature work and said, well, actually, let's, we have a, enough of this stuff come in, let's just try out having an engineer just focused on this the whole week. Um, so we're going to remove them from the feature planning for that or the sprint even. So it's that two-week period. Um, and and so I guess, so I think the question there would be, all right, well, how do we, how are we going to judge how effective this is? Um, so I think that's whenever people want to have a change, there's got to be some way of judging it, right? Any experiment, we've got to have somewhat of a scientific method. And even if that's just, developer sentiment has increased with our surveys that we do once a quarter that's one thing but you know what is a kind of quantifiable if possible way of showing this was better um and i think for the case i was kind of talking about a little bit with having a reliability engineer can say well look we have to do these tickets these bugs these things that come in these distractions um that happen so they'll take that work, but can the rest of the team actually continue to move faster without that? Because now we're having one person fully distracted and everyone else not distracted at all. And so can we measure that in both uh, responsiveness to those tickets and bugs that come in? So are we able to actually hit our SLOs for type for those kind of bug timelines? And are we actually able to move faster as a team in terms of products we're, we're shipping and, and kind of um, yeah, the team sprint velocity? things like that. And so I think, and that was very successful for, for both those cases. That's something we could look at again after a month or six weeks, whatever it was in that case. All right, well, let's, how's this paid off? So I think that's whenever people are doing these changes, sometimes it's very obvious, you know, everyone hates this, let's just do something different. But sometimes when it's kind of opportunistic, it's the push would be, well, let's, how do we judge whether this was successful, and whether we should adopt it um, more broadly? Um, so that's that's definitely something I would probably challenge a manager with when they want to change something, um, and then and also it's always nice to have a success story afterwards to show this is how much better we are, and that's I think a nice story to tell developers on that team as well. Absolutely, and and I guess kind of you know this kind of talks to the you know 
that balancing a team velocity when you're making these process process adjustments. And and just to kind of go back, because I want to make sure I, I might have heard your answer, but I want to maybe just have you expand on it. So you mentioned somebody has an idea they have to go back. Someone has to take some time, you know, from from being involved in the sprint um, when when testing or adding you know, changing a process. Is that how the team handles that? Um, obviously before they spread that or the concept out to the team, they want to test it. But when you're, when you're trying to adjust these processes to, to obviously measure the impact of the velocity, it, how, how does the team potentially account for that? Absolutely. So I think the, the answer is we, we generally start some of these experiments on an individual team because they're being driven either directly from that manager or a suggestion that, the manager and I will have based on a challenge that that team has had. Um, and so we'll start with that one team. And if it, and then again, we kind of share learnings and say, well, if this is actually, we've seen these quantifiable improvements or these significant improvements. Okay. Let's have, let's, is this something which makes sense to roll out org wide? And then with the other engineering managers, again, it becomes, okay, is this something people want to do kind of a bit more, I guess, organically is the right word, just, you know, they'd kind of start adopting in their teams? Or is this something we want to say, right, this is now our full process. This is something we want to standardize across, across the board. And we, we kind of treat that in a case-by-case um, case case basis, um, really, because you know, sometimes it's fine. If that's a process you want to use in one team, it doesn't really like the, the kind of having one engineer focus on reliability example I gave before, that doesn't really matter as much if one team does that or another team does it by swapping people in and out each day as much there's just kind of an opportunity but other things we have in place around kind of stronger guardrails or learnings we have around okay um for example for reliability improvements we want to have a very strict kind of definition of done that's done by every single for every single project we've hit these checkboxes, and that's uh um, means that we know that we have fewer regressions and we it's important for our compliance efforts and all that kind of stuff. Um, those are things where we'd actually put more of a strict process in across the whole organization and say, that's now going to be just how we do things universally. So every single project that's done by any team, and that now becomes a kind of firmer guardrail. Um, and again, those will start out as learnings within a team and then become, okay, well, the best way to enforce this is to have it kind of an org-wide mandate versus just a kind of a, a, a less formal team process. That certainly makes sense. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, there's, there's always a delicate balance, especially if your team hasn't isn't the one who helped originate whatever process is and uh, you're sitting on another team and uh, you either hear that some other team's doing something differently that's helping or somebody all of a sudden says, hey, we're doing it this way. I think uh, the organic adoption, uh, that the, sometimes the dots are connected a lot easier versus, hey, tomorrow start doing it this way. I've noticed that uh, pretty much anything. I think uh, that could be <laughs> that could be universally applied to any change uh, uh, in society, in your home, you know, in engineering. I think people tend to do uh, better with uh, seeing what's going on and benefiting the other team, and going, "Hey, I'm going to do that." Versus, "Hey, just do this tomorrow, and 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 uh, <laughs> you'll see the benefits of it." Yeah, I mean, it's buy-in. Buy-in's everything, right? And I think for again, for some of these processes, you know, I was talking about the definition of done and compliance and some of those are we see the benefits but we just have to do this you know we, we have to have security checklists as part of this because that's a, a compliance requirement and but a lot of the other time it's 
look, here's something that's worked really well for this team. And I think you get a lot more out of it if you, you know, the, the reason you started with that process was because this was more effective in some way. It allowed the team to go faster. It allowed the team to, you know, operate more efficiently. And so I think showing people the value of it and showing that, look, this is this has worked. This, we've proven this has worked really well for this team. And the engineers were really happy on this team when they made this change. We think that you guys should try it out as well because I think that it could work well. And that's, that generally you get, you always get kind of more adoption there, people more eager to jump into it and have to try it out and excited about it rather than just saying, therefore, <laughs> you shall do this now. Yeah, I, I guess I guess the uh, maybe question for you is from from your seat overseeing, you know, all of engineering. Um, are there times where you observe something you're like, if I was a manager, I'd do this differently? Is, does that come up for you, or is that just outside your purview? It does. <laughs> I think every day. I mean, I think this is the challenge of. I mean, management in general, right? But it's, you know, it's the same as if you're managing direct individual contributors. You think, I would do that in a different way. And the balance there is is kind of, first of all, biting your tongue a little bit maybe and, and saying, you know, this is, again, you you have a lot of trust in, in, in the people who are managing those teams directly or the people you're working with. And you want them to have the autonomy to make those decisions themselves. And I think you just got to step back and say, okay, well, why would I do that differently? Is this just a different style or is this because I think this will go wrong in some way or I think we're going to run into problems here, which I'm not sure if they've ever... So I kind of take a step back and say, all right, maybe the correct thing then is, okay, have you thought about this? You might run into this problem down the road or have you considered that this might take twice as long or you might run into you know, slow down because of um, this interaction you haven't foreseen or something like that. Um, and so I think that's that's always the challenge is saying like take out my management style and the way I would do things and the, people can be very effective engineering managers but have completely different management styles and again I always have to kind of take myself back and say all right what is the top like coming back to where we started what is the top level goal here we're trying to effectively ship these features um, trying to build this product improve these features, maintain reliability, improve team efficiency. If they're achieving those goals, but with a completely different style, that's that's fine. That's okay. It's it's amazing. I, I think that's really insightful. And I think the, the more uh, engineering leaders I speak to, um, and the more I, I refer to the art of engineering management, um, I, I realize that this people dynamics applies to everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I sometimes, you know, I have a, a nearly nine-year-old daughter and sometimes, you know, we, we do things and I tell her to go do something and she does it and you're sitting there watching going, well, I would do this, <laughs> I'd do that, I would, I would do that and, and I would do it faster this way and you're in your head, you're processing all this stuff and you're just there patiently going, <laughs> have you thought about this? And, and she'll give me a quick, yep, or, or nope, and she'll continue. And it's interesting because I think, you know, you mentioned something very important as, you know, Hiring people you trust, empowering them, um, letting them do their thing, but still your purview is a little higher. You're 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 seeing the whole field, all the moving parts. 
being able to give that feedback loop to your managers and them also trusting that if you're saying something, it's not because you're nitpicking. It's you might be seeing something because your your level of vision's just a little bit higher from the day to day. I think I think those are those dynamics and relationships that really help teams tick and and really produce quality work. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that's a constant <laughs> struggle is to kind of, yeah, having that balance of when do you when do you step in, change things, allow people, and it's, I think it's also really important to allow people to make mistakes sometimes and go, you know, <laughs> you know, try something out that doesn't work. That's a really good learning point. Um, and so, you know, to some extent, robbing people of that um, opportunity to learn um, can also be a mistake sometimes as well. So it's a constant gray area, I think, <laughs> you find yourself operating in. I, I, I think every engineering leader who, who runs, uh, you know, engineering orgs would probably, uh, or any, anyone managing any group of people would probably. <laughs> I think management in general, yeah. Management in general, exactly. It's 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 a fascinating art that goes into it. It's and it's uh, sometimes I think I've, I've had people talk about the fact that you know no one really trains us to do this stuff. <laughs> I mean, managing groups of people, you know, people do get MBAs and they learn manage, but but once you're in the field of battle. Um, not feel about us, and I hate that term. Um, once you're <laughs> once you're actually managing people, we're not battling. Yeah. Once you're actually managing people, and 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 just the dynamic, and being able to be, you know, have that self control of, and that, you know, be able to internalize your thoughts and be able to just hold back is is a power that as like a head of engineering and engineering leaders, that's a skill. That's not easy sometimes. So bite that tongue and you know let your team execute when sometimes you could disrupt the team by making a comment that could, you know, rub somebody the wrong way. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's a good point around you stepping in and saying something. Sometimes you may think of it as a suggestion, but because of the positions and, you know, in um, relative positions of the people interacting, that's going to be taken a different way. And so to be careful about, okay, if I'm offering a suggestion here, is it clear that it's a suggestion I'm still looking for their feedback or is this coming across as a, you know, do it this way? Uh, or So I think that's that's also um, part of it is, is kind of considering what the impact of your input is uh, to different people. Yeah. Awesome, man. Um, I was going to say, I know, uh, I know we're running a, a little bit against <laughs> time. I, I we keep, keep chatting about this. I don't think we could... Uh, I run out of topics, but I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing. I think uh, uh, lots of great insight. And somebody does want to reach out to you and, and chat about um, you know, anything you mentioned. Is, is LinkedIn a good place to reach out? Do you prefer another social media platform or email? What's your preference? LinkedIn is... Yeah, LinkedIn's great. Um, just um, with me and Jeremy stood on... Um, obviously associated with Drone Deploy, or you can uh, reach out to me over email, just Jeremy at Drone Deploy. Awesome. We'll make sure to include those. Uh, again, thanks for being on. Um, that's it for this episode. We'll be back again, different guests, different topics. And until then, I always ask for two things. One, if the episode uh, you found any use for it, if it was in interesting, insightful, share it with somebody else who uh, might, because that's how, that's how it's been growing thus far. And if there's a specific topic you want, to see me cover, let me know. I'll do my best to find somebody to speak to it. Until next time, goodbye.